Hi, I'm Mike, lead pastor at The Ridge, and this is our weekly podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our desire is for you to grow in relationship with God, connect with others, and to experience God's purpose for life by adding value to the life of another. I hope that this message will build your faith and encourage you as we seek to grow together in God's Word. Enjoy today's message. Living the dream. Living God's dream. We've been teaching through Genesis 37 through 50. It's the life, the story of Joseph. And as we do that, today we get to to the end, to the conclusion. Chapter 50. How's it going to end? Well, the, the life of Joseph... The book of Genesis concludes with one of the most profound statements in all the Bible. It's this, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. And this is Joseph, and he's talking to his brothers. He said, don't you see, you planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. Well, let's unpack that this way. See, in my hand, I have uh, something that reminds me a little bit of heaven. Show you, it's a dice, but not just any dice. This is a this is a paradise. <laughs> you know, that's as good as it's going to get today. So, all downhill from there. Well, somebody once said that life is like a dice game. We all get the same, you know, nine-month roll, shake in the womb, and after that, the dice roll. Sometimes we get good luck, sometimes we get bad luck. Life is like that. See, me, why I roll the pair of fives. Not bad. Thank you. (laughs) Well, one of the things that we see, Joseph... Chapter 50, he's at the end of his life, and he's looking back on his life, and here's what's going on in this chapter. He's interpreting the events of his life. He's looking about everything that's taken place, and now he's interpreting it. So today, we're going to do the same thing. And he starts here. Here's where the story of Joseph began. He's reflecting back on this. It was Genesis 37, verse 3. Now Israel, that's his dad, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Now if you're Joseph... What's not to like about that? You know, when dad dishes out the ice cream, Joseph, he got an extra scoop. His whole life long. He was the favorite. Dad liked him better. Dad treated him better. He experienced that being the most beloved child in the family from the day he was born. What are the odds? How? What do you expect from that? Good fortune? You know, good luck? What a roll, right? What a run of the dice. Well, the next thing that happens in his life, his next roll wasn't quite so lucky. This blatant favoritism that he experienced, well, it grates on his brothers, and his brothers turn around and they do this to him. Verse 23, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. So as he was in that cistern, his brothers, they were discussing what to do with him. And some merchants came by, bought him 
like a goat. They took him to Egypt. They sold him as a slave. Well, the guy who bought him, his name was Potiphar, ends up liking him, eventually entrusts his entire household affair to Joseph. Nice role. But Joseph's luck takes a turn for the worse. Well, Mr. Potiphar's wife gets the hots for him. And what happens then? Well, Joseph, he resisted her advances because he had a different set of values, but she's offended. She didn't want to have anything to do with getting rejected by her slave. So she frames him. She falsely accuses him of rape, and he ends up in jail. He's done nothing wrong. He's done everything that's right. Well, how about I give this a... Another go. Hmm. What do you know? Double fives again. Somebody take me to Vegas because I'm getting lucky. Right? Well, so did Joseph. You know, he had a run of bad luck. Right? He had the slavery thing and he had the Mrs. Potiphar thing. And then we remember after that, he ended up in prison for quite some time. But at that point, somewhere in the time when he was in prison, he got a fortunate break. The Pharaoh, the most powerful man in all the world. He had this dream. He had this troubling dream. The Bible tells us what his dream was. Here is what was going on in Pharaoh's mind. Verse 2 in chapter 41 when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the river bank. Remember that? It ends up these are flesh-eating, cannibalistic, zombie cows. We're thinking, yeah, that was a pretty bad dream. And so Pharaoh, he's kind of freaking out and he wants to know, what does my dream mean? He asks all his advisors. Nobody can tell him until one of his top guys remembers, oh, there's this guy, Joseph. They were cellmates in prison many years ago. And Joseph, well, correctly interpreted a dream that he had had. Verse 14. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph. And he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh releases him from prison and asks him, he says, hey, I want you to interpret this dream. He had this back crazy dream. He said, what does it mean? Well, Joseph did. He nailed it. He interpreted this dream. And this dream, the interpretation of it, ended up saving all of Egypt from a natural disaster. So the story of Joseph goes, Joseph goes from an inmate in prison to a hero and he was given leadership and he was given authority. Say, wow, what are the odds? How do you explain that? Good fortune? Positive karma? What a roll, what a run of good luck. Genesis chapter 50. The book of Genesis concludes with Joseph. He's an old man and he's looking back over all of his life and he's interpreting it. And here's what we really want to know. How's Joseph going to interpret this? How is Joseph, as he's looking back at the ups and downs in his life, how does he explain this great reversal from favored child to slave to hero? Well, one way is to believe that 
Life is like this. Right? Life is, is like a dice game. Sometimes we get good luck. Sometimes we get bad luck. Sometimes we have positive karma. Sometimes we have negative karma. Life is like a roll of the dice. That's one option. But that's not what Joseph concluded. As he's old and looking back on his life, that wasn't his conclusion because that's not what the Bible teaches. Rather than luck or fortune or karma or chance, God tells us this. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9. He says, I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known from the end, the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. Read the rest of it with me. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Well, what does that mean? That means life is not a roll of the dice. It's not up to chance. There is a divine plan because there is a divine planner. The theological word for this concept in Genesis chapter 50, here it is. It's this word, sovereignty. Sovereignty, it means everything that happens, happens because God directly causes it or consciously allows it. Adam and Eve were created because God said so. Red Sea parted because God said so. And Nazi Germany was toppled because God said so. The cyclones and the Hawkeyes won yesterday because God is good. The Bible puts that concept this way in Psalm 103, verse 19. It says, The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. In other words, God doesn't ask our permission. And God, before He does something, He doesn't need our approval. God doesn't get with us and say, Hey, I want to tell you my plan ahead of time. He doesn't give us a preview of coming attractions and then say, hey, is this all okay with you? God's not sitting on the edge of heaven, biting his nails, wondering what am I going to do with this world? He knows exactly what he's going to do with this world and he knows when he's going to do it. Why? Because he's sovereign. He's in charge. He's in control. He's the boss. His name is on the door. Sovereignty. It means that God, He's in charge and life isn't just one roll of the dice. It means there is a God and He does have a plan. He has a plan for this world and He has a plan for your life. Do you believe that? Because I I can... Read passages like this out of the Bible that say, yeah, God's sovereign. I can do that. And I can talk about that. But I think we should really ask the question, do I believe that? Do I really believe that there's a sovereign God? Or maybe we should even take a a step back and ask a, a first question that would be this. Do I even like that? I'm not so sure. Not so sure I do. 
Theologians have been observing that this doctrine of God's sovereignty, that it has been losing popularity rapidly through this decade. And I can see why. I mean, who wants to claim a belief in a sovereign God when through this past century more people have died in war than the previous 18 centuries combined? What do you do with that? Who wants to claim a a sovereign God when there are millions of little innocent kids who don't get to do life with mom and dad? You know, human trafficking. What do you do with that? Who wants to claim that there's a sovereign God when your life isn't going the way you'd expect or, or the way you'd want? Who wants to claim a sovereign God when when you experience tragedy? when you experience hurt, when you experience things in life that are painful. Sovereignty? What do we do with that? See, if God, if He really is sovereign, if this, if this is His plan, then I'm not so sure I even like Him. But if this isn't His plan, then how can he still be sovereign? You see the tension with this sovereignty issue? We need to deal with a common misunderstanding when it comes to the sovereignty of God. And Let me get at this this way. If God is sovereign, does that mean that Joseph, that his life was predetermined? With the story of Joseph's life already fully written before he was even born. Or think about it this way. If Joseph were here today and he went into the store and he finds himself in the toiletry aisle, right? And he's looking and he sees toothpaste and he sees a wall of toothpaste. He's thinking, well, which one should I get? Should I get Crest? Should I get Colgate? Should I get baking soda? I'm kind of lost. Does he have a choice or is it already predetermined for him? If God is sovereign, here's the thing we wrestle with a little bit. Is there freedom? If God is sovereign, do we have personal choice? When the answer is yes. Yes, of course we do. The sovereignty of God, it doesn't exclude personal choice. Sovereignty doesn't mean that God dictates every single decision. Sovereignty, it's not fatalism. Sovereignty, it's not determinism. Sovereignty, well, I I like to think of sovereignty this way. Like a cruise. Any cruise fans? Yeah, a while back, I think it was last summer, one of the popular cruise lines, they had this amazing deal. It was buy one week of a cruise and you get the second week for free. The code, the promotional code, COVID-19. <laughs> Man, the cruise lines, they, they had some tough time getting passengers. Well, let's say, imagine that you're on a cruise. And while you're there, while you're on this boat, you got a lot of options, a lot of things you could do. You could be on, on deck one, you could hang out on deck two, you could hang out on deck three, you could sleep, you could eat, you could swim, you could eat, you could watch a show, you could eat, you could sunbathe, or you, you could just eat. <laughs> well, while you're on this cruise, the reality is you have a lot of options. 
We look at that and say one of the draws is there's a lot of personal choices. There's a lot of things that people can choose to do. But there's one thing that you cannot do. You cannot change the course of that ship. That's the captain's role. The captain sets the course. The captain has a plan. The captain, he knows where the boat is going. You see that? That's this. That's the sovereignty of God. Psalm 103, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. The sovereignty of God is not this idea that everything that happens in life happens because that's exactly the way that God planned it. The sovereignty of God, it doesn't mean that God dictates every single decision, but it does mean this. God is steering the boat. God's steering the boat. Life isn't just one big old roll of the dice. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And it is good. God's purpose for this world is not going to be thwarted by the fallenness of this world. And God's plan for your life, it's not going to be snuffed out by a few bad choices. You see, for me, the sovereignty of God, it's not an intimidating, scary thing. Actually, I find the sovereignty of God to be a welcome thing. Because the sovereignty of God means this. It means there, there is hope. The sovereignty of God means there is hope. Even though I mess up, even though sometimes I get it wrong, and even though sometimes I make ill-advised decisions, God is sovereign. He is still driving the boat. Even though this world that we live in and this life that we have, even though there are, are days and weeks and months and years when it still hurts, God is sovereign. God is still driving the boat. His plans, they are resilient. He will bounce this world back. God is sovereign. He's driving the boat. You know, we've been walking with Joseph for, it's been several months now. And a lot of fascinating insights along the way. But now, as we get to the very end, here's what we see. At the very end, God's wanting Joseph, and I think he he wants us to look at the big picture. Not day to day to day. He wants us to look at the big picture of this guy's life. And when we look at the big picture, his enti- the entirety of his life, what God is saying and what God has been doing, it becomes very obvious. God is sovereign. God has a plan. Joseph put it this way. Let's read this together. Verse 20. Join me. Don't you see... You planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. What does that say? Notice it doesn't say all things are good. It doesn't say that. 
And it doesn't say all events in Joseph's life were dictated by God. It doesn't say that. And it doesn't say, well, it was all a part of God's perfect plan. It doesn't say that. And personally, I don't believe that because there are too many jealous brothers in this world for that. But it does say this. Don't you see? You planned evil. You planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for My good. Being sold into slavery, that wasn't good. All things are not good, but God can work good through them. What challenge or problem or pain are you facing today? Genesis chapter 50. God is saying, whatever it is, No matter how bad it seems, God can use it. God can turn it around. God can use our present situation, no matter how messy, no matter how ugly. He can use our present situation to bless our future because God is sovereign. Because God, He is driving the boat. Don't judge your story before you see how it turns out. Rather, embrace each moment by faith and with hope. Especially, especially the hard ones. Life is like a roll of the dice. You never know what you're going to get. Do you believe that? Man, I I sure don't. I've got double fives twice in a row. Should we try this one more time? See what can happen? And I don't even want to show you because you're not going to believe it. But I'll try. They're small, but... Double fives. Again. What are the odds? How do you explain that? You know, good fortune, good luck. What, what a run of luck. There is another option. Trick dice. You think, would Mike do that to us? Yes, I would. <laughs> Take a closer look at these dice. Fives on every side. I knew what I was going to roll. See, Genesis chapter 50 is like that. It's saying these dice, they have a very sovereign creator. And so do we. Life is not random. And life is not just a a roll of the dice. God's not sitting in heaven worried, wondering what he's going to do with this world and what he's going to do with with your life. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He can bring good out of bad. He reigns. He rules. He's still driving the boat. So let's close this way. Psalm 103, just give you an opportunity to, to use this as a declaration of your faith. If you believe, regardless of what's going on in your life today, if you're like, I, I do believe that, that there is a God and that He's sovereign and that He has a plan, then I'm going to invite you to read this with me. If you're not there, 
that's okay. Don't feel free. Feel, feel free not to read it. Just use this opportunity to maybe think through your life and see if you can find a way that God has, has been a part of it. But for those of us who believe it, I invite you to join me. Let's look at Psalm 103 and use this as a declaration of what we believe, a declaration of our faith. Join me. The Lord has established His throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. One more time. The Lord has established His throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. Pray with me. Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on Sunday. There you'll find the scripture that we've been looking at, some questions for you to, to dive into. But then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday, and we just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends and also jump on our website, ridgelife.org, to get more connected here at the Ridge.